Welcome to another episode of the Just a Couple Dudes podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Flatiger, and what we're going to do today is I'm actually going to share with you an interview I did on a previous podcast with a guy that I know. His name's Boomer Reichel. Him and his wife started a foundation called Mission 228, which I'm going to share that all that information with you. This is a talk I had with him where he shares his story. Um, basically, it's the story of a father who loses um, a child. And it's a very powerful, positive, sad, very mixed emotion, but overall very positive things have come from it. And I wanted to share this with you guys um, during this time when people are going to be home, people have more time, people need some positivity. So this is what we're going to do today. This is some bonus content from the Just a Couple Dudes. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think you're going to really like it. Um, and I'm speaking for Anthony and Frank when I say that. So uh, let us know what you think. And um, yeah, just sit back and enjoy this uh, episode. Thank you, everybody. All right. Welcome to episode six of the E&E podcast. Um, we don't have Emily today, so it's just me. But I'm with my buddy here, Boomer Reichel. That's right. Yeah. Very okay. Good. I got to get on the yeah. first time. Um I don't have a title for this one yet. Uh, that's because I feel like I'm going to figure that out along the way. But I'm really happy to do this podcast. And we're going to be talking about what I put in the post, Mission 228, and this pretty intense but uh, really meaningful story. So, Boomer, welcome. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and I really appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. So, yeah, I'm really excited it. to do this. It's a great platform to come on and share my story and maybe comfort some people and reach out and see if I have anything to offer them. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, that's why like we were just talking, we had a little mini podcast before we started this one, <laughs> but uh, I just think the platform to be able to share these kinds of things, I think it's really important. I think it's just something that we haven't really had, you know, on this kind of a scale and because of social media and the internet, we can now share these stories and go deep into these, you know, discussions and stuff. I think it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for making connections and building a circle of friends and family that you can share anything with. So if this enables somebody to tune in and fill that, that's awesome. That's something that, you know, people have tried forever and ever to do is build a, a network of people that they can bounce ideas off of, you know, share ideas, share feelings. If this is something easy for them to do, you know, listen to a podcast, download it on your way to work, listen to it and get that feeling. I'm all for it. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. So I guess we'll start with Mission 228 and what is it? I guess, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start there, I guess. Yeah, it sounds like a good starting point. <laughs> uh, so Mission 228 is a nonprofit that me and my wife and a couple of our friends have started. And basically what we're trying to do is we are trying to provide nursing students, uh, people that have been accepting to a nursing school or current nurses that are trying to get more of an advanced degree, um, some financial opportunity to do that. Uh, what we want to be able to do is provide them money so they can further their education or get their nursing degree because our story that we're going to get into a little bit later obviously has a heavy involvement in uh, the medical field, experiences in the ICU, the CV ICU, and the nurses made a huge difference for us. So we really want to give back to them. So that's our goal through the nonprofit is to be able to give back and serve to the nurses. So 
Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And a quick background, I guess. Um, I met Boomer at the run, that race, that charity yeah, run, I guess you'd call it. Yeah, yeah um, Laps for Lincoln. Um, our buddy, mutual friend, Chris Miranda, he just the weekend before had told me about it. And I was like, yeah, man, I'll go out, run for an hour around a track. Yeah. And uh, I was with my good friend, Christian Gregnano. And one of the things that like struck me when we we're out there running, I was like, when things happen, it's incredible, like the human response that's Absolutely. there to yeah. see like all the people that were out, all the people that were donating and running all for, you know, this one cause. I was like, eh, this is pretty cool. It's pretty special. Yeah. There's, there's nothing that's better to me than when people can get together and band up after, uh, you know, in our case, a tragedy happens in a family and, you know, it really unites people in a way that nothing else can. Uh, mm-hmm. There's certain things that you never wish people had to experience, yeah. but once they do experience it, uh, they get a certain kind of perspective that you could never have gotten any other way in the world. Um, so I don't wish this experience on anybody else, but at the same time, I want them to understand, you know, how life changing it is, oh, yeah. uh, how powerful it is. So you should, this is part of that. And then sharing this story is part of that. So. Yeah. Cause you won't be the only one. Yeah. You know, as much as hope. we would just hope and wish that no one else has these kinds of experiences, you know it's not going to happen. So it's good that people who have experienced what you guys have experienced are able to create what you're doing, you know, and be able to give back and be able to share these experiences, share the story and, you know, do these podcasts or, you know, put out on your social media. And real quick, uh, you guys on Instagram are at Mission228, right? At Mission228, Inc. Inc. Okay, that's it. And then you're also mission228.com. That's right. Yeah. Okay. There we so go. So we have all the information for our scholarship out there on mission228.com. Uh, we also have a little brief history of, of the story that I'm going to share here. Um, just to give people a little bit of background, um, we're going to be adding some more things coming up soon. Maybe a little background of our board of directors. I think there's a common thread that uh, we'd really like to highlight there as well. Um, and then we're going to try to get some gear out to people. That was one question that everybody asked yeah. as soon as we developed this was like, Hey, where can I get a t-shirt? Where's the merch? Where can I get a hat? Yeah. That's the important stuff, right? Dude, so, even for, even for E and E podcast, I'm like, I'm trying to make coffee mugs and t-shirts and that's stuff. Right, yeah. People like that stuff. If you had a shirt, I'd be wearing it right now. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I know I'm trying, I've been working on these coffee mugs. I don't know why it's a coffee mug that I've been after, but trying that's to get it. some oh, that's yeah cool. it's right. hard to find though because i only have the one logo and they want we won't get in the weeds with it but <laughs> they're coming soon so anyone who wants some merch uh probably the first things that's coming out is a coffee mug just put that out there Perfect. real quick yeah but it sounds like you guys are getting some stuff as well right yeah yeah Sweet. if we had to do it all backwards i think we'd go logo design merch and yeah. then launch everything else <laughs> i know awesome okay so i don't know should we start informing people about about the story yeah, absolutely. We can okay. jump right into it, I guess. Um, kind of a, a, a thing that I want to put out there right now is this is in no way or form of advice. This is really more or less just me yeah. talking this through, uh, kind of thinking out loud, so to speak. Um, if some people are out there and they hear this and they have the same feelings or the same thoughts, you know, I would love to have them reach out to me. Um, and we can talk this through together. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. I'll tell you that much right now. 
but I can certainly share the experience. So. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up too because I feel like that's what I, I harp on and, and say a lot as well. I'm like, I don't know. Right. I don't know these right. answers. I can only speak to what I've experienced in my life and if it's helped and not. Yeah. And so I'm really glad. That, that's a good plug to put in. Yeah, and some of the things that I did or my family did may not have been right, but yeah. we definitely <laughs> learned from definitely. them. Definitely. So. Okay, yeah. so we take it back to where's I guess I'd say where's day one, yeah, chapter one. So day one that would be uh, a day before my birthday, actually. Okay. Um, me and my wife went to our week nineteen ultrasound for our third baby, um, and there were some abnormalities in that, and they actually sent us to a specialist. Out in Scottsdale, we had to schedule another appointment out there the next day. So we figured, you know, not having any issues with our first two kids, that this was just kind of uh, an error on maybe the technician's part on reading the scan, or maybe they just noticed something that wasn't that big of a deal but wanted to check it out. So that was kind of the feeling we had going into the um, second specialist appointment. Um, and it wasn't that easy, you know, it wasn't that easy. We were in the mindset, you know, nothing's gonna happen. Uh, we don't have to worry about things like that. We're two perfectly healthy, um, two perfectly healthy people. We have great, healthy daughters. We don't really need to worry about yeah, health why, concerns. And how, how could it happen to you, right? Right, right. Like, these things exactly. don't happen. And we take care of ourselves, so we didn't really have any worries going into the second appointment at the specialist's office. Um, but when we got there, uh, same thing. The, they did the ultrasound on my wife. They found the same kind of concerns that the one before had. Um, and they took us into an office and had a meeting with us and basically you know, laid, laid it all out, uh, explained what was going on. Um, and at the, you know, baseline of what was going on with Lincoln was she had a syndrome called heterotaxy, okay. uh, which causes some of your internal organs to basically mirror themselves. Usually wow. there's a unique right side, unique left side, um, but in her case, there was this mirroring effect going on. Um, so the heterotaxy more than likely caused um, the heart disease or the heart defects as well. Um, and when they started talking through it, it wasn't just uh, the run of the mill heart defects, uh, maybe uh, a hole in the heart like ASV or VSD. It was. Uh, six heart defects that we were dealing with. Wow. So the initial diagnosis was a huge shock to us. We didn't yeah. have any experience in the heart world. Um, we didn't have any background in the medical field. So we were searching, you know, we, yeah. we were out there on Google, just like everybody else is when they think they are, you know, sick with There's cancer something. because yeah. their stomach hurts. That <laughs> yeah, was us. Exactly. That was us. Uh, we were out there uh, Google searching heterotaxy. We were Google searching all of the six heart defects that um, they had mentioned in that meeting. And we were just trying to figure out what this looked like. What were we getting ourselves into? Um, and one of the things that, you know, we talked through the day after or the day of the appointment was just, you know, 
what, where do we go from here? You know, the, yeah. the option was given to us to, um, abort the baby. That was a very, a very realistic option that the doctor talked through with us and explained our options. And we decided that that just wasn't something that we were going to do. Yeah. You know, our beliefs weren't going to let us do that. And the fact that, um, you know, we were potentially going to have a baby with some health issues wasn't going to change the amount of love that we were going to give this baby. Yeah. So right off the bat, you know, me and my wife were in total agreement with that. Um, so it, we knew what we were, we were going to deal with. For. Yeah, absolutely. We knew what this road was going to look like. Um, and thankfully, very, very thankful for this, but me and my wife were on the same page from the jump. So, you know, that was something that I am forever, forever grateful for, um, yeah. just because we didn't have to have those kind of decisions or those talks about those kinds of decisions and maybe some butting of heads because mm -hmm. of that. Um, well, cause it's like, how could you, how could you know too, you know, like, cause me in the same way, I, I feel like I have that same kind of a I guess belief system you know that same thought process with it and it's yeah. like I couldn't just be like all right well we'll pull the cord on this one then you know right. like that's right. a tough that's hard yeah and you sometimes get worried about you know what would I do in that situation yeah uh you don't you don't know until so you're, you're there. there that's yeah. true mm -hmm. and uh you know, thankfully we were both on the same page when, when it actually came to the making the decision. So we were fully invested in taking care of Lincoln from the day we found out about the issues. There was no question in our mind. Um, I specifically remember the day really good because it was October 7th, yeah. uh, the day of the appointment when we found out the news. Um, and my birthday just happened to be the 8th. So my wife uh, had planned this elaborate surprise party for me on the 7th, wow, the night yeah. of the 7th. And we actually went out and uh, we had to have the surprise party after the news oh, had hit gosh. us. Um, so it was... That's hard. Yeah. It was, it was trying to put on this uh, brave face for people when they were trying to celebrate you for your birthday that not everybody had known yet we had shared some yeah, news with so my they're family just walking but up to you high-fiving and you're like yeah destroyed exactly oh, exactly geez. so you know kind of carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders but trying not to let everybody else know it um, yeah so it was an interesting night to say the least um and that kind of started our whole experience with Lincoln. You know, she came in with a bang and that's, yeah. that's how she lived her life. So it was kind of a perfect, uh, perfect storm, so to speak, to start the whole, whole experience off with Lincoln. Yeah. Jeez. I bet. Yeah. Okay. So you get the news. Um, what's the move from there? So the move is who do we need to get in contact with? Yeah. Um, who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to see? How do we make this better? Because, yeah. you know, really at the root of all of our decisions from the very beginning was we know what we're dealing with. Can we make it better? Can we help? And with that, what kind of life is she going to live after we've made those decisions. Yeah. So one of the big things that we took away from this experience was just always remembering 
that we were doing things for her and not yeah. to her. Exactly. Right? Yep. We didn't want her to become this big medical experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to do things very purposely for her. Um, we wanted each elective surgery to be uh, have a good result at the end and not potentially uh, take us off the rails of treating her. Yeah, so exactly. That, that was a big spot in in our decisions for what was next. And what we did was we went the basic route. Um, we found a pediatric cardiologist that was recommended to us from um, our OBGYN, I believe. And we went and we met with him. And that's just kind of what we thought we were supposed to do. Uh, we thought that we would get in contact with them. They would kind of give us the rundown of how the surgeries were going to go, how the treatment was going to go, and on the other end of it, she's going to be fine. Um, and we started getting into that process, and my wife has such a better uh, intuition when she meets people on how they present themselves and whether they're the best fit for our family she can pretty much tell right off the bat if you're going to fit in well (laughs) with us or not you got to get intuition absolutely yeah so we met with the doctor that was recommended a few times and she just wasn't getting that great of a feeling and you know at the time i was more or less just like this is the path you were supposed to take this is who we were recommended. Yeah, it's all you know. Right. Yeah. We don't really shop doctors in my no. family because we've never really had any struggles with our health. So, yeah. um, so after a couple weeks of going to that doctor, my wife wasn't getting a great feeling. So we did some connections with the heart community, some other heart moms that were making recommendations as far as what doctors they see, um, what kind of treatment paths they took. And we ended up finding an amazing pediatric cardiologist named John Stock out in Mesa. Oh, okay. Um, we live in the Northwest Valley. Yeah. And his and he's office in Mesa? is, yeah, in Mesa. Oh, man. I think technically it's, it's not Queen Creek, but pretty much as close as you can get yeah, to it. Yeah, almost like 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, yes. So we decided that if we wanted to get into this, we were going to have to... Uh, fully invest so that meant my wife driving out there for weekly appointments and making sure that things weren't changing um, week to week that would potentially hurt Lincoln or hurt my wife oh yeah for sure so gosh it's a big commitment it it's a huge commitment it, but what it else really do you is. do and you know meanwhile we also have two older daughters at the time that we're trying to take care of uh, that we're trying to fit their schedules in. Um, my wife is now driving out there once a week for appointments, and it's a full day process. Like you can't just say, yeah. "Oh, after I get done with this, I'm going to go to my doctor's appointment." It's planning the entire day to make that work to get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Geez. So that's you know that was our first step in really committing to helping Lincoln. That that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make sure she always had the best care. Um, we felt like that was our responsibility. And I really think that's what every parent is trying to do for their kids. They just want the best for them. Um, 
but sometimes they might not know that they have the option to uh seek out an, another professional you know yeah. it's just not out there people aren't advertising that kind of um care so well unless you take that initiative too like how else how else would you know i mean like i mean even for myself i'd feel like well i'm gonna trust whoever they refer me to or i have no experience with that either so right. why wouldn't you go with that person or that one professional but exactly. yeah, you really have to take the initiative to do your own research and like you know take the next steps right and one thing that i always thought before this whole process was you know i thought every doctor was great you forget yeah that there's people behind the doctor yeah right? there's there's the person that also finished last in medical school that's out there being yeah, it a could doctor. Be your doctor yeah, yeah you forget about that yeah um, but once you get exposed to enough doctors um enough people that have to care for somebody that you love you start understanding it a little bit better you start understanding that there's different skill sets everywhere in every profession oh yeah we're all people that's right i mean even if you have the title doctor you're still just a man or a woman you know there's you could be fallible yeah absolutely and after we found uh dr stock i think that's when you know, my wife's mood changed for sure. She just felt so much more positive seeing him and talking to him. Um, I think there was a real hope of the way he portrayed all the information was not overwhelmed with the diagnosis, but he understood what was going on. Um, I think he could explain it a little bit better to us. Uh, we felt a little bit more hopeful that there was people that knew and understood what was happening with Lincoln. So we felt more comfortable that there could be potential treatment routes for her. Um, the previous doctor that was recommended by the OBGYN was really just more or less um, you, not, not really giving us hope that there was an answer out there, but just giving us the information. So Yeah, and, and that's the thing again, like going back to where all those people, like some people's personalities click better. They explain things better to you in the way you, you know, your understanding of things. And it's not going to be the first, second, or third person you meet maybe, or maybe it's the first one, you know, you never know. Right, right. yeah. Um, so we kept up with our, with our appointments. My wife kept seeing the doctor weekly, um, you know, the diagnosis didn't change over time. Uh, we knew what she had and what, what was going to have to be done. Um, but we always figured, you know, this is something that can be handled here at PCH, at Phoenix Children's Hospital. There's, you know, pediatric cardiologist surgeons out there that can take care of this. We never really thought, is that the best route either? Um, and we got a suggestion from dr stock like there's people out in california at lucille uh, packard children's hospital in stanford that specialize in taking care of babies with these types of heart defects right these are we're we're now talking about the one percent of the one percent of the humans out there that can operate on baby hearts yeah and do this so, Wow. Yeah, we, we got that recommendation. And as soon as we knew there was another option and there could be something better for her than um, staying here in PCH, at PCH, we knew we had to go there. That that was what the next step was going to be for us. Yeah, I mean, like, what else do you do as, as her parent? 
you know right. i mean you're gonna want the absolute best option available yeah jeez so that takes us to the next step um, yeah we've we get the recommendation from dr stock uh, we fly out to San Francisco and we drive into Stanford to have a full day of doctor appointments. We met with um, the surgeon. We met with the NICU nurses that we potentially were going to have taking care of Lincoln after surgery. Um, it was an absolute blur. Um, oh, probably seven or eight hours of people speaking terms and languages that I definitely you didn't no understand. You had no idea what's going on. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. bet. Yeah. And so, you're just trying to keep up. I'm sure you weren't sleeping much. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough. There was, you know, some, some truths that we didn't really want to hear that people were repeating over and over again that it, it's hard to hear that stuff. Um, but the way that they handled themselves over there, the, the professionalism of those meetings, uh, the knowledge that they had was hands down one of the most amazing things that I've ever personally been associated with. Yeah, I bet. Um, everybody was just at the absolute top of their game when they came to a meeting with us, understanding what was going on with Lincoln, um, explaining it in terms we could understand. It was phenomenal care. And again, this is in no way advice, but I just want everybody to understand that there are options out there, like explore them, understand who has taken care of the most cases that your child may particularly have, um, understand what, care options are there yeah i mean like I, we keep coming back to it's like some people you just you don't know and you're going to trust whoever the you know wherever you wind up or and unless you really take that initiative how else would you know right because right. it's not being advertised you know all over stuff yeah and we were so lucky to get immediate in these heart mom circles through my wife and the connections that she was able to make um, we got great advice from them they had been through it they knew which doctors were great which doctors are good uh, they knew which facilities specialized in what heart defects so we got so much great information from those other moms that had been through it um, it really really helped us guide our decisions so just a huge thanks to those people that were oh, making themselves available. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no one better to understand a situation than someone who's been in it. You know, right. people can sympathize, but empathy is, it's on another level. You know, when you can really trust and know that someone has felt that same, you know, terrible feeling and they know what it is that you're dealing with. So that's really awesome, though. You got to you got to get you know meet up with them. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Jesse and Devin Robinson. They were kind of the first people that reached out to us, and uh, to be honest, they were probably the most impactful just because they oh, that's were awesome. Uh, invite us over to their house. They had been through the experience, kind of put down what they thought of the doctors at Stanford, at PCH, yeah. um, really just gave us great background on what we were getting ourselves into again. And um, we're, we're very appreciative of them. And we're still in touch and we still talk. And That's good. Yeah. If, if 
people are looking for somewhere to go and they're experiencing something like this, I highly suggest reaching out to, you know, my wife is great about making contacts with people and, and Jesse is, is amazing at, at doing the same. So. And can they get uh, some of this information through your website or your, the Instagram or it's, social media? It's not available on our website, but if you were to reach out to our social media platform, we would definitely make some connections. Um, if people have questions that they that kind of come up from this, if they're in a, a similar situation and they want just a little bit of clarity, a recommendation on a doctor, um, questions for caring for their kid, um, you know, reach out. We'd oh yeah, and again, that's reach at Mission Two Twenty Eight Inc. At Mission Two Twenty Eight Inc. Yeah. All right. Okay. So if you have any questions, make sure to forward your DMs that way. Yeah. Yeah, so after our, our full day of meetings with doctors and really more or less just being overwhelmed with the experience, um, me and my wife went back to the hotel and tried to sleep the best we could, um, but there there wasn't much of that going on, to be I was honest. Say, how could um, you? Your mind just races with things that either you need to take care of or schedule or talk about. Um, write down so you don't forget. Uh, just yeah. just a huge laundry list of things that you have to take care of when you're in that situation. And uh, you know, luckily for me, um, my wife's really good about that. She works great off task list. So yeah, uh, you know, she was she was awesome during the whole experience. Um, had notebooks, organized notebooks with contact information in there, notes oh, about what was going that's on. That's good because I mean, I'd be the opposite. Yeah. I just don't operate that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I should, I should, I should be better, but I just, I'm not. Yeah. So she she did an amazing job organizing that, and um, you know, pretty much from the jump, she knew that was going to have to be done, and I'm definitely grateful for that as well. So. You know, we go back to the hotel, we try to sleep, we think about what's going to happen next, and um, we fly home again. We're still trying to take care of our home life as well. It, um, I'm still trying to work. My wife's still taking care of the other oh. two girls. She's working at the time as well. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on and, and not a lot of opportunity to un unpack what is the most important at that time all the time right yeah so sometimes priorities were getting jumped just by you know basic life needs of getting kids to school and making sure that they're showing up to their soccer games and things like that so um you know my mom um, my wife's mom pretty much our whole family was just great about supporting us and getting our other kids to the places they needed to go um that's having, awesome. Having sleepovers with them when they yeah. needed to because we needed babysitters the next morning or we were going to be out of town. So um, they're just a great circle of people that, that really came around us during that time and, and took care of us. So um, that, was, that was something that, again, we're just really grateful for. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, isn't it incredible, too, to think uh, like when you have all that craziness going on, like what people or what's your life before that moment, before all this, what would stress you out while you're going to yeah. <laughs> trying to go to work. So you think like, Oh, I'm going to work and I got to get the kids ready. And, but now, you know, fast forward to this situation, it's like, 
wow, I would love to go back to those stresses. Right. That's the, that's the perspective that you gain when you go through something like this. You immediately start recognizing what's really important and what's a distraction. Yeah. We like to fill our lives with a lot of things that make us busy, but they don't necessarily impact our lives uh, the way they should. Um, oh, for sure. You can definitely get lost in the details of your life, um, but what really matters comes out in times of difficulty, right? You know, they oh yeah, they say they, the the wound is where the light enters, and yeah, that's that's sure. something that we we get now. I understand that now because of what we've been through. Um, you know, it takes takes sometimes being humbled to understand. Um, yeah, and that's the weird. That's one of the weird little things with with like a tragic thing or a moment it it really the perspective you get from it is you wouldn't want to get it that way but you still get it you know so even though you had to go through that and deal with it the perspective is just you know priceless i don't know absolutely yeah yeah um so yeah we you know at that point we're still trying to manage our home life um we're leaning on on all kinds of family members to make it work and after our full day of appointments in Stanford we knew that at a certain point in the pregnancy my wife was going to have to be uh, fairly close to the facility uh, which meant moving from Phoenix to California oh wow yeah so Oh man, that's nuts. About a month before her due date, um, she fully relocated to an apartment close to the hospital out there. Yeah. Um, By herself? uh, Initially, I went out there and I stayed with her for uh, about a week. Okay, kind of got say, her you're still working in Phoenix. Right, I'm still no. working in Phoenix, uh, still have our girls here in Phoenix. So uh, initially, I went out there for about a week, got her settled into uh, the nice, highly overpriced apartment that they were oh, going to put her in. Yeah. Um, living, living cost in Palo Alto are a little oh. bit different than Phoenix. This, yeah, <laughs> jeez. So um, we, did, we did move her in and we got her settled uh, and this is about a month before her due date. Uh, okay. So she she had planned to be out there for about four weeks before she gave birth. Um, and we had tried to schedule as many people out there to visit her as she could. Um, me and the girls had planned to be out there uh, every weekend uh, checking in on her. And she was going to have some weekly appointments uh, as well to just make sure that uh, yeah. Lincoln was was developing properly and and coming along, and there was no risk uh, for her uh, as as her due date approached. So, just a, another crazy thing that happened to us that we just kind of had to deal with on the fly. We obviously didn't yeah. plan for it. So yeah, you don't plan. You just, I guess you're just like, this is what we got. We got to we got to roll with it. Right. Right. Jeez. So she was she was living in Palo Alto. I was here working taking care of the girls at night um my mom my mother-in-law uh sister-in-law brother cousin aunt uh everybody was trying to help with with my uh, my older girls getting them to school um picking them up from school mills at home 
it, it was just yeah insane. just a crazy insane. just life just living it was the most abnormal existence you could possibly imagine oh. for a family that was trying to keep it all together yeah it was crazy oh, man um i imagine that's a blur too kind of just trying to think your daily like there's no daily routine there is no routine no no routine something different is happening every day something comes up another person to talk to that's right that's right something else to schedule um another phone call to make a text to send uh making sure that uh your kids have clothes packed because they're spending the night somewhere else the Mm -hmm. next day so i was gonna say do you ever you know that feeling where you're like about to go on vacation or something or you know you're gonna go somewhere and you're like oh did i you know phone wall keys this do i have everything and you have that looming anxiety that you forgot something um i imagine that's how you would feel every single day yeah like Ooh, I have a list of a thousand things. Which one didn't I do? You know, like multiple uh, times a day you get that. Feeling. Yeah. Gosh. Um, thinking that you're going to forget where to pick up your kids is a unusual one. Yeah. That I got oh, sometimes I um, not knowing where to go to pick them up was another crazy feeling that I had. Um, I would be texting people trying to find out whose house they were staying at or, or <laughs> who picked them up from school or uh, who's dropping them off at my house. It was it, it was just so unusual. Were you able to do anything to manage stress at the time? Or did you have any, any things you already did regularly, like exercise or, you know? Yeah, so both me and my wife are, are really big about trying to sweat at least once a day. Yeah, um, that's it awesome. It just completely changes the way I can handle my capacity for things. Oh, yeah. Um, changes my, my mental uh, mind, my mindset on, you know, what the next step is to solve problems. Um, it just relaxes me to the point where, uh, things aren't overwhelming. Yeah. It's nuts how, I mean, I don't know the science behind it, but me, I like to run a lot. Um, and after like a long run, for example, my ability to you know, get information and feel a certain way about it. I'm so much more chill, relaxed. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I notice if I don't, I feel like it's almost like a, like a rubber band being, you know, pulled really tight and you just feel the tension if you don't have that. Yeah. There's, um, so many times that, you know, later on in the, in this experience or this story, when I get down to it is, um, you know, me working out at, the Stanford gym or yeah. me working out in the Ronald McDonald house workout center just oh to goodness. get some, uh, to get some better outlooks on things that I had been delivered that day, or even just to work off the stress of trying to take care of your kid in the CVICU just oh, to yeah. release that tension of sitting in a chair all day, uh, asking doctors, is she better? Is she not better? Um, so yeah, working out was a, a huge part of our lives. Um, my wife probably didn't get to do it as much as she wanted to. Yeah. Um, but I tried to, you know, stay consistent with it just to keep a clarity about myself. Yeah. Cause I mean, I tell a lot of people too, it's not even like a huge reason why, you know, I exercise or work out isn't even for the aesthetics and the, all that, you know, it's like it, your mental state is so much better when you if you can consistently exercise and kind of get into that zone because it's kind of a 
that's what it is. It's like a state of flow you can get into. And it, I imagine that, especially going through all that, you know, your body's just coursing with cortisol and stress and anxiety Absolutely. and you're not sleeping as well. I mean, to be able to return to at least one thing, you know, you can, you can do and you can get into that, that mental state. That's probably, probably does wonders for you in that kind of a stressful situation and environment. It definitely does. Yeah. Just anything that you could routinely was the most comfortable thing you could possibly imagine uh, with all of the change that was going on around us to say I'm gonna make sure that I do this one thing every day um, or at least try to do it every day and have a routine about it was it, it was just a comfort it, it, it was something that oh, you yeah. could look forward to every day it was something that uh, you knew you were gonna come out, out of feeling better which was a struggle to find experiences like that during this time so yeah because you must just feel like you're underwater you know you're just in this hell of yours and to have at least something that can you know ground you is extremely vital yeah yeah and um you know another thing that that i was lucky enough to have was a partner in it um you know while my wife was in <laughs> Well, my Whoa, wife. I'm sorry, is, that was my dog. She's uh, she's getting a little antsy. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, while my wife was in Palo Alto, staying in the apartment by herself, um, me and my other daughters would come and visit her on the weekends, and I just remember like a very very specific moment. Um, you know, we're standing in the kitchen, and our girls are sleeping in an air mattress out in the living room. And it's just me and her, and um, she's, you know, at this point, she's kind of waddling around the kitchen. We're trying to make dinner, and um, we just kind of look at each other, and and we just started breaking down. Like, there there wasn't any words spoken. There wasn't any um, particular moment or, uh, you know, trigger for us. It was just a, a look, and it was basically nine months, 10 months of, of stress and uh, bad news and, and questions that we had all coming out at the same time. And we just stood in the kitchen and, and we held each other and we just cried for probably 20 minutes. And it was just this uh, amazing mo moment for me um, because I just, at, at that point, we were just so... Uh, solidified in our decision and our choices and we were just a, a team at, at that particular moment there was no doubt in my mind that we were in this together we were doing this um, and we were just there in this in this really nice moment in the middle of this crazy experience oh yeah um, I mean because you think about it I mean you like you said, it's just a blur and you're just doing all this, this stuff. You're going from, you know, moving to Palo Alto. You're, you're doing all the, you're, you're locking down one end. She's doing the other and you've done so much together. I just can't even imagine, you know, like that type of experience. I mean, that's like, you know, you're going to, it's like you're in hell, you're in a war, you know, you're in a fight for your daughter's life. You know, it's like to be able to share that moment with another person, it's, I mean, it's got to be pretty indescribable, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, just trying to get that emotion out in words is, is nearly impossible. But just in that moment, we 
didn't have to say anything. It yeah. was just there. We were just there, and it it was amazing. So, you know, I, after the time she spent in Palo Alto, she was routinely getting these uh, checkups every every week. She would have to go and do what they call a non-stress test to see, you know, what. Um, what her level of readiness for delivering a baby was basically where her contractions getting more significant or not um and she was routinely doing them each week and one week she went in and um there was some some irregularities with that test and um you know the lincoln's heartbeat was kind of erratic and uh kind of hard to follow with with the sound so our doctor and our doctor out at Stanford had recommended you know I I think we need to um we need to have her now like we need to get her out to oh, wow. to potentially you know save her life because um they basically let us know that she was going into something called heart block um which means that her electrical signal to her heart uh telling it to contract wasn't happening happening consistently anymore so she was skipping some heartbeats um and this was something that hadn't happened before Uh, all of her stress non-stress tests before that um nothing like this was going on it was just kind of standard she'd go in 30 minutes later she'd leave everything was fine Um, but this particular one um they said you know her heartbeat sounds a little bit irregular i think we're gonna have to move this along you know we're gonna have to deliver this baby now um at the time i was in phoenix um we got the text message from my wife letting us know that they had planned to check her into the hospital um and she was going to deliver lincoln then and we had scheduled so many visitors during the time that uh, my wife was out in palo alto there was almost no day that she was by herself, um, except this one. Except <laughs> so, that one day, oh, yeah. of course. Just like it being the day before your bir- surprise birthday party. And- exactly, exactly. So she, um, my wife just kind of picked herself up by the bootstraps. She went ahead and checked herself into the hospital. Um, wow. Walked right up to the desk and let him know, like, hey, I'm scheduled to have this baby today. What Can a savage. You help me? <laughs> right? wow. um, so, yeah, she checked herself into the hospital, got her, you know, packed her bags, rolled her suitcases in. Like, that's, she was just uh, an amazing. Like, she was just incredible. Gosh, um, I don't want to complain about anything ever again <laughs> for the rest of my life. Right. Jeez, man, I get annoyed if I have to go run an errand. Right. I can't imagine checking yourself and being like, hey, I'm going to have a, this kid today yeah so you know she well, props to her that's yeah, amazing yeah absolutely so she checks herself in she sends the text message makes some calls lets some other people know what's going on and uh we all start booking flights you know we got to get on a flight to get out there um i was a little bit worried that things were gonna uh progress fast enough to where i was gonna miss the birth oh jeez, um, that would be yeah icing on the cake right uh but luckily luckily everything worked out and i was able to get on a flight early enough to get out there before um we had lincoln they had to plan um 
a C-section for her, again, just kind of due to this heart block issue where she was missing some beats and they didn't want it to, to get to a point where uh, it could put her in danger. So they went ahead and scheduled a C-section and we ended up having Lincoln. Um, How far along was she when this happened? This was 39 weeks and four days. Okay. So she was full term. Yeah. yeah. She was ready to go. Um, it just didn't quite work out the way we thought it was going to. So a- another wrench in the plan. I was going to say, like, thought, what, you know, what's at this rate, like, what is going to go according to any kind of... Right, yeah. right. And again, it's just, you know, we, we think we have so much control over these things, right? We want to plan them and we want to set dates and... Um, sometimes you just, you, I know it's really like, what is that about being a human way, right? You just yeah. kind of let it happen the way it's going to happen and understand that there's a bigger plan at work than what you can hold in your than own what hand. you can see. Yeah. 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 Gosh, I know. I feel like as a person, we're just, we're very blind to be on anything beyond today, tomorrow, the way we want it. Yeah. And it would be a lot, you'd, it'd probably be a lot less stressful if you just let go, surrendered. Right. Because life's going to happen. And in, like, I mean, just from everything you're telling me, it's not going to happen in any way that you would want it to go or you think it would go or you could ever plan for it to go. So right. it's, you should live a life of reaction, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, people get put in these kinds of situations and the first question that they always want to ask is, you know, why? Why me? Why is this happening? Why uh, do we keep getting bad news? Why are things going so um, off plan? But uh, there, and that was that was something that we totally did. We absolutely did that for Yeah, because uh, you're human. You yeah. can't, that's always going to be the first thought is why? Why this happened? Yeah, and we, you know, we did that for, for a good amount of time. And eventually what you end up coming to is, you're not asking yourself why anymore, but you start asking yourself, you know, how, how is, how is this going to make a difference in my life? Um, how am I going to react to this? How am I going to benefit from this and make myself better from this? Um, which starts giving you some purpose, right? Starts giving you a little momentum, a little traction to make, um, even the worst news of the day, uh, something that can help the overall outcome of your situation. Yeah. What What do we do with it? You know, where do we go from here? Because right. we had talked a little bit before about that. Like the question of you know why did this happen is it's a bad question because there's no answer. There's zero answer and there's no amount of searching that's going to give you that answer. So rather than constantly worry and stew over why did this happen. All you can do is think, you know, where do we go? How do we react to this? Like you said, and that does give you a lot of purpose and people need purpose. You know, yeah. you need that kind of a purpose to continue to move forward and make decisions and, and do what you need to do in your situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a purpose gets you, gets you out of bed and ready for the day. Um, the, the right purpose in your life will sustain you forever. Um, a lot of people confuse purpose and motivation. Uh, motivation is kind of this fleeting thing that we try to hold on to, right? It's oh, kind yeah. of this uh, concept of holding smoke in your hand. Yep. But um, you know, my my purpose here on Earth is 
definitely been redefined now. I oh, I can imagine. don't have to question it anymore. There's not the the searching that I was doing prior to Lincoln as far as what am I here for? Um, it's it's very real now. Every once in a while, I have to go out and I have to find a little bit more motivation to kind of uh, yeah. get me up early or um, get me to work with a positive attitude, which yeah. is that's that's fine. You need that every once in a while, but your your purpose on earth will drive you forever. Oh, for sure. I think uh, motivation is useful. Like you can use it. You know, something makes you, you know, pisses you off in a moment. You, you you feel the motivation. Maybe you want to go to the gym or work out or get up early or, you know, if you listen to a motivational video, you read a book, you see something that, like you said, it's fleeting, but it's there. You can use it as a tool, but it's not going to be that thing that's lifelong driving you. You got to find purpose and you have to, you know, define that first. Um, but everyone's, everyone has a purpose. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, back back to the Lincoln yeah, let's drama. Get back to the back story. To the yeah. story. Um, so Lincoln was born on February twenty third um, via C section, and you know one one of her her main issues was this idea. Uh, it's called pulmonary atresia. Uh, basically, what what that defect is is it blocks oxygenated blood or actually it blocks blood from flowing into the lungs and being oxygenated and circling back into your heart um so when she was born they immediately assessed her um we didn't really get a lot of time with her before they kind of took her and and moved her into uh the NICU which we knew was going to happen um they explained to us that with her defects there was going to have to be uh, some immediate, um, basically, you know, rescue medicine yeah, that like they were going to have to to give right her away, right away. Um, so, you know, she was born. They did let us see her. My wife got to see her before they took her to the NICU, um, and then we kind of continued the trend of trying to manage things separately. Um, my wife just had a C-section, so she's moving to a recovery room. Um, my daughter is getting emergency care in the NICU and I'm kind of floating around the hospital in between the two areas, um, really questioning what, what yeah, my like, part role, in this where do you is, go? Right? How do you, yeah, dang. Yeah. So who do I, who do I take care of first? Who do I talk to? Um, how can I split my time up? Uh, you know, is, is my wife okay? Is my daughter okay? Those were the continuing questions in my mind every minute, you know? Yeah. And this is nonstop, I bet. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and through, uh, my, my wife was in the recovery room for about five days recovering from her C-section. Um, during that time I'd have to check with her. Um, but, to me, it felt like way too soon. She was like in a wheelchair, having me push her to the NICU to see the uh, Lincoln. Just right away. It, Jeez. it felt like right away. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just quick. get that straight. Yeah. It was way too soon. Yeah. So, you know, I'm pushing her around the hospital so she can see Lincoln. And we're trying to get updates from the NICU doctor to make sure that, you know, what we expected was actually happening. Um and things started started progressing uh lincoln started needing some more care 
um, they had to externally pace her heart um, because of that that whole heart block issue. The electrical wow. signal was starting to get um, more inconsistent, so they had to put some external pacers on her. Um, and at the time, you know, when they were telling me that, at the time, I had no idea what they were talking about. It, you know, yeah, you're she, just like it's one of another right, million things. Right, that was not something that I researched prior to going into this, so I felt like I was unprepared for that test. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they put the external pacers on her for a couple hours, and they just weren't able to keep her her heartbeat steady. So they moved her to the CVICU, um, where obviously they specialize in just heart conditions that's all they do that's their concentration so um they moved her there thinking that um you know better care could get some better results which uh, as soon as we got moved to the cvicu we knew that we had made the right decision in going to stanford um the nurses there the doctors there um the surgeons just unbelievably outstanding um talked to us um made sure that we had all of our questions asked, um, circled back with us if we had asked questions that they couldn't answer at the time. Uh, just amazing care that was happening there. And, um, you know, what? I remember going through some of um, the round notes uh, that they do each morning and some of the care summaries that the doctors had written and one particular uh, doctor that we were, we were really fond of there had written in one of her summaries that she stood bedside with Lincoln for like 12 hours of her Jeez. shift to make sure that she could watch trends and, and stay on top of her care. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was just, just amazing. Um, but eventually, you know, after, after 33 hours, um, Lincoln decided that she was going to start planning some things out herself, uh, and she ended up having to have a pacemaker placed, um, as well as a shunt, which would allow uh, blood flow to her lungs and to get back into her heart. So that was to solve that pulmonary atresia issue as well. So uh, 33 hours old, uh, she gets rolled back to her first surgery, her first heart surgery. Wow. Um, you know, just to put it into perspective, at 33 years old, uh, the baby's heart is about the size of a quarter. And, oh, you know, somebody is going in there and making delicate, delicate cuts around that heart. Yeah. To, wow. Yeah. That's insane. To make it possible. So, um, you know, we had one of the best surgeons out there and then, you know, the people that studied under him working on her. So, um, for me, there wasn't ever really a doubt when she went to surgery. That wasn't ever, you know, it never made me nervous. Um, she ended up having, she ended up having six surgeries total, and there just there just wasn't ever really a big worry um, on my end whenever she got taken back. Uh, the recovery part was always what what that's really the shook scary me. part. Yeah, that's that's what shook me. Um, you know, she would come back from her surgeries and sometimes she wouldn't look like a baby. Uh, they got uh, you know, so many monitors and, um, 
you know, just equipment to help them at that time that you can't really see a, a life. It, it's, wow. it's really unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah. That's um, scary. Yeah. I mean, that's heavy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jeez. Um, so yeah, after her first surgery though, she, you know, she healed up really quickly. She's looking really good. The pacemaker was doing its job. Uh, the shunt was doing its job. We were kind of getting used to what life in the hospital was going to be. Um, you know, at the time me and my wife were there, some of her family was there. Our kids weren't there yet. Uh, they were still on their way with, with my mom. Um, and, you know, we were trying to figure out, okay, what's our, what's our daily routine now? Um, at the time, Lucille Packer didn't have any uh, options for the parents to stay overnight with the kids. So uh, we had to use Ronald McDonald, which is the Ronald McDonald house, which is an absolute unbelievable place. Um, it, it's really probably the thing that keeps people in that situation the most sane because it's oh, good <laughs> it's base camp right yeah i mean there's a kitchen there's a bed there's a bath like it's one of the most essential necessities that people in that situation need to have they just they they need to have somewhere to get away from it sometimes it, oh yeah it i mean i can't imagine just being in the in the throes of it 24 7 you know just just there the whole time and that's, you, yeah, you can, you can definitely overwhelm yourself with trying to be, um, so supportive that it ends up hurting you and the decisions that you start making because you just, you get worn out. Um, yeah, you're a person. Yeah. We yeah, keep coming back just, to that. You, you're not Superman. You no get, one is. You get worn down. It's yeah. just, it's just a grind every day of, of listening to treatment options and, changing meds and uh, it, it becomes so overwhelming and if you want to if you want to stay in that situation for 24 hours a day um you couldn't technically do it for 24 hours a day but you could do it for 23 they would tell you to leave for an hour and come back oh, but oh, wow. man it it just gets to a point where you have to have somewhere to go and digest everything that's you would going have on. to um, yeah you know that's going from medical decisions to uh your emotional state your physical state like things just start becoming really heavy really fast oh i bet oh, oh man i commend you <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh jeez. It it's just uh, anybody that has to go through that just um you know there was probably things in your life that happened to you that at the time you were like why on earth do I have to do this right now? Mm -hmm. But in my experience, everything that happened to me as I grew up, um, whether it be kind of getting this mental toughness through athletics, um, being raised to uh, be appreciative of the people that have to serve you, um, you know, just, just having a good background in being positive, uh, inspirational, um, you know, being raised in a family of faith, you sometimes question those experiences as why now, why am I having to put up with this? I shouldn't have to, um, 
I shouldn't have to listen to that coach. He's terrible. He's so hard on me. Exactly. Um, I shouldn't have to uh, finish this project that I got assigned in school today. Like I shouldn't have to struggle this hard, but you get to a certain point in your life and you start realizing like, okay, that was preparing me for this moment. For that. And you have no idea. Yeah. And you don't know what it's preparing you for, but when you get into it, that becomes a lot more clear. Um, all of those experiences in my life and my wife's life, um, they helped us so much once we got into that hospital situation. You know, we were able to, um, we were really able to become a strong team and, and depend on each other um, always have some kind of positive outlook every day, regardless of what it was. Uh, we, we didn't necessarily wake up with the idea of, okay, today Lincoln is going to be cured of all of these things, but there was always some kind of goal of progress, right? And we were always trying to find that. Um, even if it was just like, we were able to reduce this medicine by, half of what a half of a half looked like it's a win it was a win right right and that that became something that we took to a took with us every morning to the hospital we're like okay today this and this and this we're going to try to make that better and um it 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 was great It it was great for our our emotional state and our mental state and yeah it's all you can do sometimes is is stack these little wins no matter what right. they are. I mean, the fact that you, you woke up and you got ready to, and you were there, it's like, that's a win. Yeah. You know, yeah. doing these little things and you just stack these tiny little wins in order to build that morale and energy or else, I don't know how else you survive in a situation like that. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, you, you set your goal as big as you possibly can and then you start on this micro level of accomplishments. And in our case, it was, um, you know, just thousands and thousands of little improvements throughout, um, you know, throughout the course of three months. Basically, after our first surgery, we had um, we had one reason or another. There was there was a lot of ups and downs. There were some infections. There was some um, just unusual behavior. There was uh, replacing her, replacing her pacemaker because of infection. There, there was one reason or another that kept us in uh, the hospital there at Stanford for three months. So, oh man, when people ask us why did we choose nurses to give back to through our nonprofit. Um, they became our friends, right? Yeah, they they, they must, became right? our family. They became the people that we um, that we depended on for conversation. Uh, they they taught us uh, that you know the nurses had to sit down and really teach us how we were going to care for Lincoln when we when or if we ever got to bring her home. Um, yeah. Well, gosh, what a task! What yeah, a job yeah. too. And. They probably think of it as no big deal, right? Yeah. This is just kind of part of my job. It's their job, yeah. But it's not. It's not part of their job to be this emotional support for a mom and dad that really don't have answers at that time, yeah. right? They don't have that in their job description. 
Um, you must be wearing 10 different hats as a nurse. Yeah, absolutely. And, and your day never stops, right? Nope. There's, it's just 12 hours of continuous back and forth between two patients, sometimes three patients, four patients, whatever it is. And I don't know if every family was, was creating these relationships with the nurses, but I hope they were. Um, but you're managing all of the families that are in the rooms as well. So it's, it's tough. It's so hard to be in that situation. And um, that's really our driving force for, for giving back to nurses. If we can give our scholarship to one person that allows them to become a nurse and they're that rock for somebody going through the experience, oh, you know, yeah. I'll feel like my job and, and Lincoln's legacy and her impact was was all for it right yeah that's just the the crazy thing about like these ripple effects you know that we experience as humans and people it's like the fact that this nurse or these professionals decided to be as compassionate and caring and giving when i mean it is their job they don't have to do some of the things that they probably did but they decided to do it and that affects you which in fact you know affects you know, mission 228, what you guys are going to do with that. And that chain of events that gets set off by just one person's decision and and act of kindness and compassion. And it's really nuts to see like that full ripple. Because think about like whoever becomes a nurse, you know, whoever is fortunate (laughs) enough to receive the funds and go be a nurse. And if they impact someone, I mean, it's really crazy. It's just, it's deep. Yeah. That's our, that's our hope. (laughs) That's our, our vision for what, you know, Lincoln's life here on earth was, was for, it it was to make impacts and how my, my wife and I were living our lives, um, how our family was living their lives. It, it was purposeful. Um, yeah. So just for three months, that was kind of our, our life. We were connecting with nurses. We were talking with doctors. We were learning how to care for Lincoln. Um, eventually, eventually through a lot of ups and downs, we ended up getting to come home. Um, we spent, I want to say that we came home in June. Um, and when we got home, there was obviously a lot of care that happened at home. Um, I imagine she was being continuously fed, uh, NJ, which is like post-stomach, um, feeding with a feeding tube. Oh, wow. Um, that was 24 hours a day. So I, I probably should go back and just throw this in there. Um, from the day Lincoln was born all the way through her 13 months of life, my wife pumped, like she couldn't breastfeed Lincoln, but she could pump and she felt like that was, uh, so important for Lincoln to have that connection to her, but also like breast milk is like magic. Like they basically say anything that happens, you give a little breast milk to a baby and it helps. Um, so she's pumping this whole time. Yeah. It just insane. Uh, all the guys out there that have seen their wife's pump, it looks like torture. Um, <laughs> I and, bet dude, just the contraption alone looks pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's something that some evil person designed. I think yeah. it just <laughs> it looks painful. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. One of the many reasons, right? Yeah. Um, so she's she's pumping this whole time. Uh, Lincoln's 
when she got out of the hospital, you know, uh, off and on in the hospital, they would have to stop her feeds to make sure that she was ready for the next procedure or medicine wasn't agreeing with her or something like that. But uh, when we got home, she was being fed 24 hours a day, um, a certain amount of breast milk. Uh, and at the time we were like trying to grow her. So it was getting fortified with a certain formula. Um, wow. So there was all this upkeep with her feeds that was one portion of kind of the home care for Lincoln. Uh, the other portion was her medicine. Um, she was on a ton of medicine to help with uh, just all kinds of symptoms that she had either um, started experiencing during the recovery process or to help with things that we knew prior to her birth. Um, but me and my wife had to prepare all of her medicines and sometimes, you know, now when, when people talk about like, oh, I have to give my kid a round of amoxicillin for the earache and it's like 10 days, I have to remember to give it to her every day. Um, I kind of think back, like I, I think, um, my wife would probably know better, but, um, I, at a certain time, I think we prepared about 177 syringes and medications wow. Wow. for a week. Oh, man. So we were... That's nuts. Yeah, we were preparing oh. those syringes and administering medicine while she was here. Um, but, you know, the best part, we we had her. She was home. Yeah. We were, That's um, you know, bathing her, putting her to bed. Um, part of... Part, part of Lincoln's health anatomy or her heart anatomy um, put her into this category called single ventricle patients. Um, and they have like a tracking program that they send their patients home with where you have to weigh them every night. Uh, you have to take their um, blood oxygen saturation every day. And they kind of use that to trend it um, because when you're in that anatomy um there's there's some stages that you have to kind of evolve through before your next surgery um our goal with lincoln was always to get a biventricle repair which would mean normal circulation uh just like me okay. or you yeah okay um and to get to that uh, she had to grow. She had to be a, a, a certain weight within a certain weight. And her her heart also had to grow just to make it possible to do that um, bifurcation of her ventricles uh, to give her that normal anatomy. Um, so there's this whole tracking. <laughs> a lot that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's this whole tracking program that they send you home with. Um, and basically they trend it to make sure, you know, the baby's doing okay, growing properly. Um, they use it as kind of a first detection of issues going on. Um, if certain things aren't happening consistently, that it usually means there might be some issues. So they might bring the baby in and, and just make sure everything is still good. Um, so that, that became kind of a part of our normal routine, you know, the bath, weigher, send in our oxygen saturation, and people at Stanford were actually looking at this. Um, we, got to, we got to be kind of uh, the first beta testing of a really unique uh, app that they're doing on their phones oh, now wow. at Stanford. Um, they had given us this electronic scale that connected Bluetooth to your phone, um, and it recorded all the baby weights in there for you. Um, and then you, that's all, incredible. It, wow. It, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. We got to work with, 
um, we got to work with some people that helped program it as well as Apple um, there in Palo Alto. We didn't get to work with any representative from Apple, but we knew the coding and things like that were happening behind the scenes For with sure. Apple. So, yeah. um, you know, Lincoln was their first beta test in this program. Uh, that they plan to roll out for not only uh, single ventricle kids, but also um, they were going to use it for diabetic tracking at home as well. Um, but we did all of that in a normal daily routine, you oh, know, man. managing the medicine, managing the food, managing the, um, the baby weights, the app, and, um, you know, at the, e at, the end of all, at the end of this whole story, uh, one of our doctors had actually called us and kind of went over um just our care for her during the time that we had her and uh just kind of tried to give us some closure on on what we did and uh she mentioned that this app that they developed they're actually going to name link wow uh, after lincoln so we were just oh, like awesome. over the moon yeah we were yeah. so excited about it and we thought that was that was awesome because it really uh, it really made our home life a lot more manageable. Before that, it was like um, this analog scale. You wrote oh. your reads down on paper, or like you sent them yeah. in, or you talked to the nurse on the phone. And it was they didn't have any uh, they didn't have any data they could get their hands on and actually look at. It was kind of up to the parents to record and talk and make sure that Jeez. what you were seeing was actually represented on the paper. So it was it was really yeah. hard, and you know, to be a part of that that progress or that progress and that process really that was that was another thing that just kind of cemented like you know her purpose here on earth is just to help that's you know that's what we were thing, there yeah. for jeez yeah, that's so. incredible though technology and you know what you can do now i mean even just to see like you said what you had to do before and then being able to use that i mean that's in that's just incredible that's yeah so, that sounds so helpful too i just another thing that that blew me away about that whole process is just the uh the level of knowledge that certain people can hold and possess there's just uh, people so much smarter than me yeah. out there in the world people like, blow me away all the time yeah, when, when when i meet people and they talk about certain subjects or things that they're experts in i'm like dang i'm stupid yeah exactly <laughs> that and that was but, my feeling for most of our experience out at stanford uh just the people around in, in you're glad they exist the hospital yeah you're oh, just yeah. thankful that there's people out there that get whatever they're talking about yep. so yeah we're thankful for that um but yeah so you know we got to bring her home and home life was home life was chaotic it was busy it was um demanding on on me and my wife you know and you know during this whole experience we're balancing our other kids i'm working still through wow. all this i was you know, working from the hospital, um, working in the office, coming home, visiting, going back, it, you know, managing schedules. Um, I could probably do a whole nother podcast on how we met, manage oh, our schedules. Yeah, I bet. Crazy, Jeez. insane. But um, while we had her home, it was just, uh, it was just all worth it. There, there wasn't any obligation to do anything it was waking up with what we talked about earlier. My purpose was 
uh, to go to work, make sure that we had good health care for her, uh, a great insurance plan, um, people that understood what was going on at, at my office and come home and take care of her. That, that was my purpose in life and my wife's purpose. I don't know how she would define it. I don't want to put words in her mouth, yeah. but the way she took care of Lincoln, my other two daughters, there's no doubt that she was put on this earth to be a mom and yeah. to be well, it sounds a like crazy it. good mom. Yeah, she um, sounds like a savage. I mean, just checking herself into the hospital. That's, yeah, oh. she, she's pretty much, you know, she's pretty much a saint. And if you ever ask her about it, she'd probably give you about two words um, about the whole experience. And mm -hmm. that would be it. She doesn't complain. She doesn't. Uh, well, that was the know, other thing I was going to say. Just, it's, it, it really seems apparent in your story and the way you talk about it and, and everything that you guys did. It doesn't seem like it any point but i'm i don't want to put words in your mouth but it just doesn't feel i don't get the vibe that you're like oh we got to do this we got to do that it just seems yeah. like okay what do we got to do cool we'll do it what's yeah. the next thing we got to do we'll do it okay what do we got to do you know it's like a lot of people i don't know how many people would have that reaction you yeah. know like a lot of people you know i just did this last podcast on uh gratitude and things like that right. and i feel like so many people do get that response of like oh god i gotta yeah. do this yeah. it's like no you know what is it that's necessary of you right now do it yeah and if i get the feeling that you guys were definitely all about that you're a great example of that yeah and one of one of the things that happens when you have uh, a special needs or, or a kid that you have to take care of like that is people often ask you, well, how do you guys do it? Like, I don't know how you guys do it. And I don't want to say, like, if you've ever asked me that or if you ever asked my wife, like, don't take offense to this. Like, I know where you're coming from with that comment, but it almost starts to offend you. Um, when people are like, ah, I just don't know how you do it, uh, because they start losing why you're doing it. Like you're there to take care of link in the best way we possibly can. It's not that we have to do it. It's that we get to do it every day. Oh, like awesome. we're there. Yep. And do, do I look back and say, man, I wish I didn't have to do this for her or do that for her. Um, yeah, obviously I want the best for her. I would, I would much rather her just have been born healthy and everything yep. work perfectly, but I, I couldn't do that. I, I, I had to give my control of that situation over and look at what I was dealt and, and deal right you yeah, just have to you have deal. no other choice yeah there's no yeah. other choice so yeah. when you know people would come up to me and just be like oh i don't know how you do it it wasn't that you know uh, i i had to yeah you're like what's I, what's, what's the, the other option, option right yeah. what's the alternative there's I just, no other option you know i give up now like that's not gonna happen i know so yeah it was just it, it was really interesting how our relationships with with certain friends, certain family members mm -hmm. change, you know, people become a little hesitant to talk to you. They, they don't know what to say, yeah. uh, what's going to trigger you. How can I help you? Uh, becomes a little awkward because like, I, I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah. You it's like, me, I don't you know. Just and do then, something. I don't know. Right. Make me some soup and I'll and, thank you. For it. And know. then even if I had a whole list of things that you could potentially help me with, 
um, it's not like I, I'm not the type of personality and my wife is not the type of personality to just be like, oh yeah, we would love it if you went grocery shopping for us. Like that's just not us. Right. So, um, you know, I, I would highly suggest if, if you're that family friend, um, or family member, uh, it's so much easier if you just do certain things, like just show up at the hospital. Don't ask if you want people to visit at that time, like just show up. Um, yeah. Don't be like, Hey, can I make you guys dinner? Just, just bring it yeah, over. Just, just, cares? just do their, do it. Just be there for them. Like that's, that's what we loved. We had family and friends that would do that. And we absolutely love that. Um, that's, that's good. That's, that's really important to have that kind of support system. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that was, a really condensed version of what it was like at home. Like obviously there were some challenges, but overall the experience of having Lincoln at home was uh, so good. It was so good. Um, and then, you know, that, that brings us basically, we had her from June till September, um, September, she was scheduled to have another surgery at Stanford, which she went, there um my wife again had gone early they were planning basically two surgeries one to upsize the shunt in her heart to give her more oxygen uh, just because she started to outgrow the other um, and then put a g-tube button in which basically just allowed her to be fed through her um her they call it a mickey button instead of having the feeding tube down her nose um so you know, it basically just made things a little easier. We didn't have to be as careful, Mm -hmm. more comfortable for her. Um, and she went over, my wife had gone over early. Um, again, we were kind of split up. The girl stayed with me for a certain amount of time. Um, and she had the surgeries in September. Everything was great. She got home and, uh, I would say for the month of October. She spent about a month in California, the whole month of September out there. Uh, when she got back, October was fine. There wasn't really anything new. Um, then November hit and we were in and out of the CVICU at PCH like seven times over the course of two months. It was, it, it was probably the hardest time that I've experienced in my life. Um, she was just getting so sick so fast that we couldn't manage her at home anymore. Uh, all of our knowledge, all of our skill that we had learned in taking care of her up to that point, um, her, her sickness just started becoming over overwhelming. Just unmanageable. Uh, and this wasn't, you know, it started off as her just getting a common house cold, um, but due to her physiology and, and kind of her um, inability to fight any of those kinds of infections, um, you know, sent her immediately into the CVICU. Um, and, yeah, and from there it was just a series of in and out of the hospital um, until uh, in February. Um, February was, I want to say the day before Valentine's Day um, was the first time that she coded. 
so we took her in she was sick again she uh, would carry a lot of fluid on her body because her heart wasn't pumping well enough to work it off um and we had to take her in because she started getting a little bit fluid overloaded my wife rushed her into pch um you know she was on like uh she was on oxygen like 24 7 so we had to keep increasing her oxygen support she just wasn't doing well um, my wife took her in knew that she was struggling a bit to to get enough oxygen in her blood um i i have believe the exact words at the front desk were like ma'am you have to get in line and my <laughs> wife responded with like this baby's about to code so if you want that on your hands we'll go to the back line but i think you should probably check us in yeah. um at that point we were doing like direct admits to cvicu um because the emergency room staff just wasn't equipped to handle her oh she, i imagine yeah, yeah she just she got to a certain point where um you know they're great. The emergency room staff is great, but it just exceeded their, their Yeah, knowledge. they're only equipped to do certain things. Right, yeah. right. Um, yeah, so she immediately got her direct admit to CVICU. Um, managed to kind of calm her down. She was doing a little bit better. Um, they had to start some IV access. She got a little bit upset. and My wife was holding her, calmed her down, set her down on the bed. Um, and she kind of just noticed her just kind of go limp. Like she just couldn't manage, um, or, or fight over what was happening in her body anymore. Um, and she coded and her heart stopped. Uh, she stopped breathing. Um, and that was like, that was the first real realization for, for me that, Lincoln could die this any could moment, be it. right? I oh. I think I was so naive leading up to that moment that, um, you know, oh, she, you know, we have all this special care, but the special care will prevent her from, you know, just uh, yeah. dying, right? You've made it this far, right? You've right. overcome so much. Um, but that was the first time when I was like, okay, like this is, you know, she's seriously sick, like she's her her heart stopped that that was it you know i truly oh. thought at that time that that she was going to pass away um but luckily you know they were able to revive her they um you know did cpr gave her some rescue meds um and she came back and um it was just wow she like, takes after your wife she's a savage right, right. yeah <laughs> <You> that, <too. laughs> that was you know the true both savages true definition of of lincoln fighting you know that was her kind of uh warrior mentality yeah. through it all she was always happy through all of this treatment through all of these crazy doctor's appointments and things um you know there's probably a million things that i haven't mentioned <clears throat> that she had to deal with but she was always smiling every time she'd see a yeah, nurse every time she saw her. us like yeah she's, yeah, she's so, like, happy. so happy i'm like it's it's kind of crazy almost to see this she looks like in the like the photo we had I had posted that I got from your website, yeah. Um, like she looks like this totally normal, happy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. outside of the you know the breathing tube, you would have no idea that. Yeah. Oh, is there something that's, wrong with her? Like that that's was, incredible. That was her. You know, that's everybody's impression of her yeah. is her true personality. Like yeah. that, she was just constantly happy, always having fun. Um, 
but yeah, that, that first code event just, it shook me to the core, um, made all of this so real, uh, so yeah. real immediately. It just mm-hmm. thrust it right to your face. Um, luckily, you know, when my wife was taking her in, she had called me, I was able to get to the hospital and be with my wife before, um, the whole event happened. And yeah, it was just, um, it was just a mess to be honest. A, a lot of feelings that you couldn't describe again, uh, things that I didn't know where to store in my mind. Um, so we, you know, we just start it from the beginning again okay what can we do differently to help her where where other options were out there um you know there was some time in between uh there between the code event and transitioning her back to stanford um but it just became apparent to me and my wife like we have to get her back to stanford that's where the best care is um so we went through the process of transferring her over there um my wife took a a private jet flight over there with lincoln in it uh (laughs) we got her um you know uh medical uh jet over to stanford and got her checked in over there um and you know she was doing okay uh she she had recovered from her code and things look to be back to normal. Um, and then she had another incident at Stanford where you know, the day was totally normal. Me and my wife had left around like 1030 after putting her uh, to bed, kind of getting the, the night nurse shift done. Um, me and my wife had put her to bed. We were heading back to Ronald McDonald and got a call from a nurse that she had coded again. Um, so we rush up to the hospital and you know the doctors meet you at the door it's not a good feeling um there's so many people in the room at the time that you can't see what's going on um they're trying to explain to you what the situation is and what your options are and you're trying to deal with all of that immediately um you know, at the beginning of this whole story, we kind of talked a little bit about like, you know, what are we doing for Lincoln and what are we doing to Lincoln? Um, it was always my, mine and my wife's opinion that we would not, um, we would not opt to do uh, the, like a life support kind of thing where a machine would control everything for her. Um, just because we always felt that was a really slippery slope. Um, when it she, is. It yeah. is because, like you said, you know, there was a point where she was at home and she looks happy, and you're able to manage things. And then, what is it if she can only survive on, you know, that? Right. Yeah, and I can imagine that's that's tough, though. Yeah, we just we always stuck to our guns on what are we doing for her and what are we doing to her, and that was one of the things that we just decided that was. Um, not for her anymore. That was more for us because we wanted her to live. We wanted her to oh, be with us. Yeah. So um, this particular code, uh, one of the doctors had come out of the room and was like, hey, you know, we're going to have to go on ECMO. We think we can put her on ECMO and she can recover and come back. 
Um, and we had to make the decision during that moment. You know, you're emotional and you're trying to figure out what's going on and, and they present you with that option. And, you know, we had talked about like, this isn't something we want to do. The doctor's telling us one thing. We kind of had this set idea and, you know, finally we're, uh, we both look at each other and we're like, we're just going to do it. We're going to do it because the doctor feels confident that after a certain amount of days, she could come off and, and recover. Um, and we give him the okay. And at the time we give him the okay, somebody yells out of the room, literally as he's running in to tell them like, go ahead and put her on ECMO. Somebody yells out of the room like, hey, we have a heartbeat. Wow. And they bring her back. Oh. And it's just this huge huge relief from me and my wife because we got to avoid it again you know it was just like i'm trying to eliminate the word uh, coincidence out of my language because i just don't feel like anything happens um by chance and there's there's always something working there's always something bigger working um and at that moment it was just like yeah that's that's bigger than me you know yeah it's indescribable like what is that you have no idea Gosh, that's incredible. Yeah, and uh, so again, you know, she goes through this huge traumatic event. Um, they bring her back. She's, you know, this this time took her a little bit longer to get back to the happy, smiling baby, but she got there. And you know, we thought this was this was just a progression to get her to the next step, which was like that full repair of her heart. Um, that was kind of always our hope and why we kept going, right? That was, that was our end goal. And we were trying to accomplish all those little micro tasks to get there. Um, but then she ended up, uh, maybe a couple weeks later, she ended up having another code event. Um, and, you know, this particular event, just, she just never came back from it. She ended up getting, or going into sepsis, um, and her pacemaker died. Um, they had to rush her to an emergency surgery to replace her pacemaker while she was already just so sick. Yeah. Um, wow. Just really didn't have the capacity to recover um, but we didn't have a choice, you know, if her pacemaker doesn't get replaced, she dies. If we take her to the operating room and replace her pacemaker, there's a good chance that she's going to die. Um, but we, you know, we got that decision on us and we yeah. decided that the best choice was to send her, have the pacemaker put in and see how she recovers. Um, you know, I, I talk about this because I'm probably a little naive in what the procedure for a pacemaker is, but it's a little less stressful to recover from than like full, um, you know, reconstruction of your heart. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not versed in it at all, but it sounds like it's a little, maybe a little less intense. Right. Yeah. It's a little less invasive to have that done. So we decided to do the pacemaker, um, you know, sh at that point when we were sending her down to the operating room, me and my wife uh, just kind of looked at each other and we both had the feeling like that was it. That was going to be the last time that um, we saw Lincoln. We didn't think 
that she was going to make it back from that surgery uh, just because we were sending her down there so sick. Um, but she did end up coming back. Um, but she just never, she never recovered from it. And she, she just couldn't uh, come out of, of her sepsis and she ended up passing away on March 19th of 2018. So, wow, yeah. man. that's, that's heavy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a heavy story. It's a, it's a heavy experience to have. Um, I'm glad I had it. I, I really am. Um, I'm glad I get to share that perspective with people and that story with people. Um, just because I, th- I think there's purpose behind it. I really do think there's purpose behind it. Oh yeah. I think that there's a lot of power when you overcome periods of life that seem like probably hell the whole time, you know, like you don't know what to think, you know, you're just living in that day and that moment doing everything you think is the best thing that you can possibly do in those situations. And they make something out of you, you know, and you really discover purpose in that. And you really discover, I think like all the things that tie us to being human, because it's the story of being human. It's like the human experience. It's, it's love, it's tragedy. It's, you know, she's a beautiful kid and she had a tragic story, but at the same time, there's a lot of incredible things that came out of it. Like you're like what you guys are doing and the legacy that you said, you know, she's leaving and has left and yeah, you can't write the script any other way. You can only engage in what happened and it is powerful. And for, for a lot of people, I don't know if everyone would have that same perspective, but I think it's incredible that someone with you and your wife's perspective and tenacity, you know, to really live it is I guess a blessing would be a lack for of a better term, you know. It's it's hard to call that call it that, but you guys have really done something incredible with what you're gonna do, and, and like you said, you would never want that to happen, but it did, yeah. and it's what do you what do you do with it? Where do you go with it? And I just think what you guys are doing is just it's absolutely incredible, and uh, I just keep thinking about you know gratitude and. I mean, gosh, so how many people are just going about their life with zero perspective? Because I guess you can't have that kind of a perspective. Like, I can never, I haven't experienced anything like what you've just experienced from that story. But I would hope people can hear it and it could give them perspective. Now, I'll never have the perspective that you've had. But just from hearing everything you've said, it gives me purpose and more meaning. And I think that that is part of you know, your guys' legacy as well as Lincoln's legacy. And it's, it's so powerful, you know, what her short life and what you guys experience, what it can do for other people. And how do you, you know, how do you quantify that? You, you can't, but it's, uh, gosh, it's just, it's powerful. It's incredible, you know? Yeah. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's, that's our hope. That's what we're yeah. doing. That's what we're trying to do is, uh, share our story, uh, share our experiences. Because um. I'm sure there's so many people that are probably have dealt but are in the throes of it right now. Right. Yeah. 
we can be help to somebody, one person, then we feel like that's a, a complete justification of the experience that we went through. Oh, yeah. So, also, we kind of discussed a little beforehand. Um, so, we got the story, and we know what happened and everything, and, you know, we're both guys, and so one of the thoughts that I had, and I'm glad you had brought it up when we were talking before, was like, what is the experience from the male, you know, the the father figure, the head of the household, you know, figuratively speaking and whatnot, like, I'm sure people assume, you know, that you're this strapping young, you know, <laughs> dude who can handle, you, you can handle it, you're the father, you're the guy, you know, you're not the one who is pregnant not to take anything away at all from like what your wife experienced but i'm sure that i'm a male so i'm thinking it through that kind of a lens and how was i guess a hard it's a hard question to ask i guess but like how was that experience of people approaching you i'm sure like you had mentioned questions get constantly asked about how's so and so doing right you know yeah it's a different it's just a different experience for the dad um, we get disassociated with the kids a lot of times. Um, and it's not on purpose. It's not because somebody's intentionally trying to exclude you exactly. from the, the yeah. experience, but, um, we often think of emotions being connected to women. Um, and in my experience, I had very few places to go to be vulnerable, um, and let somebody know, if I was struggling or not yeah. um, and not just struggling with the schedule or struggling with the, the care for Lincoln or the experiences that we are going through with her, but um, to explain to people what I was feeling um, in my relationships. Um, so yeah, there, there's definitely a need for um, men to be, uncommon in how they approach this experience um to reach out to other men that are going through this um to be able to connect to somebody and talk is underrated in a man's eyes i think oh yeah um i think we're we're so caught up in this like uh, I build bridges kind of attitude. Like I, I hunt for my food. You're a man. I'm a man. Um, I don't need to talk through things like this. I don't need to express anything other than the fact that I'm standing here at this moment. Um, if something becomes hard and physically hard, I'll take care of that. I I got it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where you get put. Um, you know, even, even to this day, uh, when people talk to me or my wife, I feel a little bit left out of that conversation. Like I didn't experience all of the stuff that my wife experienced, even though I was there, yeah. you know? And like you said, you guys had that moment together and that's because, you know, the only other person who could probably possibly feel like what she felt or what you felt, you know, is each other. Right. But it just... I think we even do it to ourselves because we're men and we, yeah. you know, you think like, oh, I got to be strong. Like I can't be the weak, I can't cry or I can't feel this way because I have to be this beacon, this pillar. I have to be able to be the strong one. That's right. But yeah. gosh, man, like you're a human, like we're people, like 
we have the same feelings and emotions. We just handle them different, but there's different ideas of what, you know, and we do it to ourselves too. I think, like you said, you know, yeah, it's like, you want to be this dark. I'm a man. I gotta, I gotta lock it down for my family, you know, but, That's right. but you're a person. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So from your perspective, we got some of that, how, uh, when people talk to you, did you feel like they were kind of talking through you, I guess? Um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of times where conversations with me were to make sure that everybody behind me or who I mm-hmm. was supposed to be supporting was doing okay. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a little confusing to me because people want to know, oh, how's your wife doing? How are the kids doing? Um, and I pretty much became this like reporter on our family. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of questions of, you know, how are you doing? Do you need help supporting them? Um, you know, I, I, I obviously generalizing my conversations. I have people in my life that really care about me and ask me those kinds sure, of questions, yeah. but, uh, you know, on the majority, um, that was my interaction with people. It wasn't necessarily, um, caring for me it was trying to figure out if I was caring for the people in my family properly um I always I always felt like conversations steered towards two directions one was either um is your family doing okay and if not you tell me how to help them or the other direction was is your family doing okay they're not i can't imagine what it must be like to be the mom or to be (laughs) the sisters that have to go through that um which i always kind of felt strange navigating those conversations because um you know i i was standing right there like i was in the moment um going through all of those experiences but getting excluded from the feelings that came with them yeah it's natural being a man to not get into these emotional conversations with people um but it is a little bit strange thinking that you have no emotional connection to a story like that (laughs) yeah like your own daughter right family right yeah i think you know whether it's stereotypes or just the way we think. And a lot of men, I think it's important to know. I mean, even for myself, I struggle mightily to tell people if I'm dealing with something. Because I, I just feel like I'm like, you know what, I'll work out and I'll go for a run and I'll sleep on it and I'll get through it and, you know, I'll tough my way through it. You know, just like you would if you had a physical injury and you're like, yeah, I'll meet, meet head my way through this, you know, workout. Right, right. And um, so most of the time I won't tell you if something's bothering me, if I'm dealing with something, because I just feel like I, I could probably deal with it. But so we kind of do it to ourselves a little bit, but it's important for people to know, especially other men to be like, Hey, like you gotta be, you know, I can't imagine how you feel. You gotta be dealing with something. Yeah. You know, what's up? Talk to yeah. me. Yeah. Reaching out is, is a huge part of, um, be- becoming somebody, better for yourself right and you you reach out and you you take the opportunity to serve somebody else regardless of 
whether that's serving is physically serving, um, doing things for them around the house or taking care of dinner, um, things like that. But if you reach out and you are truly there to serve them in any capacity that they need, um, I think that makes you such a better person uh, because you start getting the perspective of whatever situation they're going through. Uh, And we talked about this a little bit earlier where our experiences really make us who we are. So if we're able to reach out and get um, perspective from somebody else going through something we never thought we would or we never will, um, it just adds to that life experience to make you a better person in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think these experiences, I think they're, you know, they're obviously, they're, they're deeply human and they connect us to, like all these emotions and feelings and experiences and stories connect us to one another. And that's why when you do that, you know, you had that charity race run for, you know, Lincoln, Laps for Lincoln, so many people came out because there's something that connects us, whether it's, you know, like this love, tragedy, all these different emotions and, you know, personally, I think I, you know, I have a fundamental belief in God. I think it's God that's pulling the strings. I think it, that's, I think that's that life force, that inner connectivity between us because you don't see it in any other example anywhere else other than in these stories and in, in these events that happen to us. And it's just incredible to see the way people respond and act. And like you said, this you don't want to use word coincidence for any of these things because how could they be a coincidence if they have such a powerful ripple effect That's and you right. just feel and see this unknown thing. It's like oxygen. You know, I can't see it, but it's there. I'm breathing. It, it gives you life and your story is going to give people life and Lincoln's legacy is going to give people support in life and it's going to do these incredible things for other families through the nurses that go through mission 228 and uh, it's just it's insane it's just the way the world turns i guess i don't know yeah yeah it's definitely something bigger at work yeah um, and people can't deny that when they get together uh at, La- at laps for lincoln i don't think you can deny that there was something bigger at work to connect all of those people yeah and that's that's what i'm after in my life now um that's what my purpose is is to create a community a network of people that just feel something different when they get together yeah that's pretty incredible and that's why i feel like i mean that's the important thing about you know mission 228 or doing a podcast, or sharing the story, whether it's a blog, or you're writing about it, you're filming about it, you're doing interviews, you're talking about it, you know, getting that story, that message, your, you know, this new redefined purpose that you have out, because there's probably, I mean, seemingly an unlimited amount of people that would benefit greatly from it, even people who haven't, I mean, I haven't experienced I don't have kids. I don't, you know, I don't have anything like that, but I can take a piece of what you've told me and find power in it and sacredness in it. And I can use that and apply it towards my own life. And so it goes even bigger than just specifically what happened on top of the incredible, um, 
you know, ways it can impact people who are dealing with that directly right now or have dealt with it and they felt alone or they're searching for other people or stories to uplift them. And so, gosh, I just, like you said, you would never wish these things upon people or their life or you would never hope that they'd have to deal with it, but you know it's going to happen. And you can hear someone like, you know, you and your wife and how you responded to it. And it can give you a perspective that could totally change someone's situation, change their life. Oh, what a perfect full circle summary right there. Yeah, Brought right. Right back to the beginning of this <laughs> I thing. I love it. Yeah. That was great. That's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's what we're after. You know, that's we're just trying to share our story, try to help people. Um try to live a different life than we were before. Um, one with purpose, one with our priorities set correctly and, uh, one that can hopefully be impactful. Yeah. I think that's uh, the most important thing too, that we've kind of harped on that I'd love people to take away from this. If, if we're going to lay out some takeaways is that, yeah. you know, finding that purpose and it can be in so many different things, but really asking yourself those questions, redefining, you know, what are you doing? What is your purpose? You know, you can take any kind of situation or anything that's happened to you in your life and use that to come out different and redefine what you're doing and go after it. Sweet, man. Well, I really appreciate it. We're like, uh, about two hours. Wow. Not, yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate you reaching out. Um, I think we've covered a lot. I think this is going to leave people with something to think about and to feel and i think it's gonna have a tremendous impact yeah i feel like i got my monthly word quota in for yeah the, i know right? you <laughs> don't the rest of the month i'm just gonna go like full month silent, silent. yeah <laughs> not talk for a month i know i always realize that after i do like a, even just a 20 minute session where i'm just going on I'm like man that's it's actually kind of hard to just go for it and talk. so many words coming out of I my know. mouth you know yeah. it's just crazy it's not usually my thing to speak this much but yeah. yeah i appreciate you having me on and letting me tell my story and yeah uh like i said if it reaches one person it makes one person's day better or life better or experience better then uh i think you're doing something really powerful yeah awesome um Okay, so you can download this episode at Podbean or at Lipson. Again, I keep saying this on every podcast, but I'm still working on iTunes. Uh, it's coming very, very soon. But Podbean works really well, so go ahead and use Podbean. Uh, and you can find the links either at my personal Instagram page, at Eric underscore Alonzo, or at E&E Podcast. And you could also go to at Emily Flatiger. And again, another plug for Mission 228. It would be, I'll let you say it because I keep, I say it and then I look to get confirmation. <laughs> I, you should just say it. Yeah, you can find us at Mission 228 Inc. Uh, we will also post some links to this podcast as well. That way you guys can get it directly from our page. Cool. And I'll, uh, I'll share your website and stuff too. And is there any, um, I guess they would just go there if they wanted to message you for information or anything like that. Yeah, right? that would be perfect. Yep. Okay, cool. And we got merch coming soon for both. That's hopefully. the plan. That's, That's I right. Know. I know. We need to team up. Where do yeah, you go get your merch? We got to keep each other accountable for I that. I know. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, we're doing another episode. I'll be doing an episode tomorrow. That one probably won't be released for a few days, but I'm really excited about them. Um, our mutual friend that I met, Boomer through Chris Miranda, he has this 
business he has his uh, gym called evo fit so we're gonna be over at evo fit he's gonna put me through a workout maybe we'll see how that goes and then uh i think it's gonna be really exciting so thank you for everyone who has been reaching out um giving you know good feedback downloading i really appreciate it and i would just say uh i hope you enjoyed this episode i know i did this has been an incredible time and um gosh i'm really excited about it so thank you thank you all right cool